0: Start On On Demand. demand.
1: Good news for Manitobans looking to take a little staycation. The Manitoba Chambers of Commerce have extended the trip, the Tourism Rebate Incentive Program, from August 26th to September 12th. Back to school is not too far. We talked to the sleep doctor at the University of Manitoba about getting your kids back on a regular sleeping schedule. Twitter slapped a manipulated media label on a liberal post. We talked to a professor of new media on whether or not this was a good thing. And a video has resurfaced of Dave Grohl performing with his 12-year-old daughter back in 2018. They've since performed on stage together a handful of times since then, but that was the original. And it got us thinking, in your wildest dreams, what would you like to do with your parents or your kids? I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb. Loren is back in a couple of days. We are Mackling, McGarry and McNabb. And this is the Tuesday, August 24th podcast for The Start. Mackling and McGarry, McNabb is back on Thursday. We're talking about sleep a little bit later on this morning, just after 8 o'clock with Dr. Diana McMillan, the sleep doctor, University of Manitoba, one of our favorite guests. She has such a soothing voice. But, um, yeah, it's apropos that we're talking to a sleep expert today because, like, I really feel like I should just submit myself as, a, like, a thesis study for somebody, GMAC, because yesterday my my sleep schedule was a disaster all through the weekend, and then yesterday what happens? I get home from work, mm-hmm. order a pizza because I'm healthy, and then I uh, fall asleep on the chaise at, I don't know, 2.15-ish, I guess, 2.30, woke up at 3.30, fell back asleep at 4.30, woke up at 5.30, and then I'm up till 11 (laughs) o'clock.
2: You were just unable to get up after those uh, extended naps. Well, after the second
1: one, I was good. I got up, and then I couldn't fall back asleep when it finally came time to actually go to sleep.
2: What time did the pizza come? Uh, One o'clock. Pizza coma? Was that... What we could boil this down to are just exhaustion, a lousy routine. Um, You know, what is it? All of the above, I think. But Mondays, pizza coma, weird sleep on the weekend. Mondays are the worst. I I always find when I get home, I feel like I'm done. I'm absolutely done for the day that i don't want to do anything else to monday's sort of a write off day in terms of getting any extracurriculars done anything that's unwork related on mondays just f- feels almost impossible because you're flipping from the relative normalcy of a weekend schedule to our you know ridiculous schedule that we work <laughs> during the week so that monday's a little bit of a write off i'm hoping today is a better cuz i didn't do much Yesterday, either I did, oh, I was going to say I did one load of laundry. I did exactly zero loads of laundry, but I did fold some, and and I did order the kids around quite a bit to make sure that they did <laughs> <laughs> chores so it looked like that I did some chores. So it's great. It's great to have those uh, those uh, children to, to you know, make you look good from time to time.
1: Well, and that's what we'll be talking about as it pertains to sleep, and that is sleep schedules for Back to school. When is the back to school date again? Is that within the next two weeks? now?
2: that is uh, following the September. Long you would think I would have this date circled on my calendar with a dance emoji. Uh, <laughs> I, I believe it's September eighth for my kids, but it could be the ninth. Okay, could also be the seventh. I don't really know about that, that. Week that week after Labor Day. It's that week after Labor Day. Good enough. Yeah,
1: yeah. Okay, yeah. So, but that is it is something that needs to be dressed i guess as far as kids go because a lot of the kids end up uh, staying up later during the summer and then you know you can't just say all right you're back to school tomorrow so you got to go to bed early and uh it could be i mean we can get up and power through it but i remember being a, a teenager it's tough to
2: to get up teenagers need lots of sleep they're like cats they do need lots of sleep unfortunately when they get that sleep is off kilter not for all kids but for many kids They, for whatever reason, they feel they're going to miss something if they go to bed before one in the morning, (laughs) Uh, you know? I I think they believe they're missing some sort of party online or something, that all the action happens after dark, and that if they don't stay up, they will be uh, somehow ostracized from their group of friends, but uh, that's just how it feels, Uh, so many kids mine included, uh, have had a horrible bedtime schedule for weeks and weeks and weeks. And it's not just been summer vacation. It was even during uh, the last several weeks of school. Uh, Many of our kids were online to finish out the year. My kids had their exams canceled, so they got like a bonus two weeks of summer vacation. So, yeah, we have to get back on on a schedule or uh, mornings are going to be an absolute disaster come September.
1: So more 8.07 uh, sleep schedules for back to school with Dr. Diana McMillan. Another thing we're going to be talking about this morning and through the day on 680 CJOB is affordability and uh, specifically as it pertains to housing in Canada. And uh, it, it, would it be safe to say there, there's a housing crisis?
2: I suppose you could say that. Um, look, there's two ways to to look at at housing prices. For those that are in the market, those that own a home, rising house prices uh, typically indicate or create a sense of comfort because that's the largest purchase you're ever going to make. And as the price or value of homes goes up, so does the relative equity that you have in that home. And so there's a sense of comfort for those that are in the market, own a home, and see prices rising at a relatively stable rate or even unsustainable rate at times. It gives people some other options. But of course, that doesn't mean it's that way for everyone. If you rent and housing prices and the value of homes go up, those that are investing in homes then need to charge more, either for the apartments or the single family dwellings that they rent out. So that becomes a problem. And then, if you'd like to get into the housing market, well, if the price or value of homes is going up 2, 3, 4, 5% a year, that means the amount of money that you need for a down payment keeps going up and up and up and it might make it impossible for you to enter the marketplace. So there's really two sides of it, Brett. We're going to concentrate on the side, I think, uh, today, the barriers in getting into the market for young people, for people of all ages who have decided they want to buy a home but realize it might never happen for them.
1: Yeah, so if you want to get into a house, for example, or a home, you need to have a 20% down payment if you want to avoid fees, from the uh, CMHC, what is that, the uh,
2: That's a mortgage Canada insurance. Mortgage and
1: Housing Corporation. Yeah. Okay, so uh, in Winnipeg, the average price right now is $321,000. So you would need 20% of that. So that, what's that, over $60,000?
2: Once again, if you want to avoid that extra fee of the house insurance from CMHC, yeah, it's, it's a ton of cash. But when you compare it, and I know this doesn't always do... Uh, good for people who are living here. When you compare it to the rest of the country, holy smokes, Winnipeg is still incredibly affordable. But that barrier to entry for so many people is that down payment. And even at 5%, you're looking at $15,000. And that's for an average home in, in our marketplace. What is
1: the minimum? in? So if you're willing to to swallow those fees... Yeah,
2: five percent. You can get in with a five percent down payment.
1: Oh, okay. Well, how much are those fees? What are we talking about here? Do you know? To, and I'm ambushing you with that. If you no, don't, that's know okay. I don't
2: in. know because I've been fortunate enough um, to get into the market. I've never had to pay the the, the CMHC fees. I, I bought my first house twenty years ago, and so uh, was fortunate enough. I paid seventy two thousand bucks for my first house. Mm. So, so I was lucky. I didn't I didn't need to go that route.
1: Mackling and McGarry McNabb back in a couple of days. And here's the media release from the Manitoba Chambers of Commerce that was sent late yesterday morning. So it happened after our show. Uh, but this is great news. Uh, the MCC has announced the Tourism Rebate Incentive Program, or the TRIP, is set to reopen August 26th to September 12th the popular tourism-focused COVID-19 recovery program to continue into
2: the fall. Yeah, I like that. I, this has been uh, something that I, I think uh, you took advantage of. Yep. My family has taken advantage of it. And uh, once you work out and decide how you're going to get that money back, it's worked out pretty well. How do, how do, how do you think, it, it, do you think it was an incentive for some people, Brett? Like you already had your staycation plan to go up to Hecla, So it was sort of a bonus for you. Yeah. Uh, I can say that on our side, it was probably something that without this incentive, Uh, Staying overnight in a hotel uh, with family uh, inside the city is probably something we wouldn't have done without this carrot dangling in front of us. So this has to have had an impact.
1: Yeah, I think it has. More than 11,250 Manitobans took advantage of the tourism rebate incentive program. That adds up to more than 9,300 hotel room nights during the to the initial two week window, which was July 31st to August 16th, more than 2,500 rebates on admission to Manitoba's, uh, star attractions, for example, the zoo. And, uh, they're going to add to keep it going from August 26th to September 12th. Uh, so you can get up. Op- it's a hundred dollar rebate on a one night stay at an eligible accommodation. And the list is huge. Uh, or up to $150 rebate on a hotel designed stay and play kind of package. And the pro- program also includes access to rebate for 50% off admission fees at 31 different participating Manitoba Star attractions. So for me, my Hecla accommodations, I think, worked out to $550 because we were there for three nights and uh, the, I split a room with a friend so I got $150 back. You so,
2: got, you're you not going to throw that back in the water. It's not like catching a fish looking at it and going, that's not big enough I'm throwing it back. No,
1: no. happening, I, Like you pointed out, I already had it booked, but this was a nice little shot in the arm, and now a buddy of mine, are, uh, I went to Minnedosa and Nipahua, now a friend of mine and I are talking about going back to Nipahua, maybe, maybe go. just for one night, this rebate would essentially pay
2: for the whole thing. Well, here's a quote from uh, Joel Waterman, general manager of In at the Forks, he says this, the tourism rebate incentive program was truly a stroke of genius, and it has saved summer 2021. That's a pretty bold statement from a hotel operator. When you look at the fact that this rebate is only for Manitobans in Manitoba, it goes through to the 12th, and the Banjo Bowl is coincidentally September 11th. Mm -hmm. So maybe you want to find yourself a nice hotel down around the University of Manitoba. You know, stay overnight, party it up a little bit at the Banjo Bowl. Yeah. Take a little shuttle or Uber or a cab over to the hotel and make a night of it. Like, there are lots of ways that you could take advantage of this.
1: Should also point out as well that uh, this is important. Manitoba residents eighteen, aged 18 plus uh, can get advantage of this, provided you have not yet participated in this. So okay, I'm, so it's I'm good out. good to
2: know. You're out. Yeah. All right, my wife is out, but that, that means I can still be in. That's right.
1: Doctors Manitoba wants mandatory vaccinations for all healthcare workers. Now, the president released a statement that says, quote, when you consider the threat posed by COVID-19 compared to how safe and effective the vaccines are, requiring employee immunization is a necessary next step. Doctors Manitoba is also urging employers in both public and private sectors to strongly consider adopting a similar policy. When asked about mandatory vaccines, Manitoba's chief public health officer, Dr. Brent Roussin, hinted that more details on vaccine requirements are expected this week, but he gave no further details. Premier Brian Pallister was also
2: asked about it yesterday, and he pointed to an announcement possibly today. Yeah, so while many Manitobans may be getting used to having to show proof of vaccination and take part in activities and outings, not everyone is on board with mandating them when it comes to other areas of their lives. Here's Global's Brittany Greenslade with more.
3: (laughs) From dining indoors with a friend to catching a long overdue football game, Manitobans have needed to be fully vaccinated and show proof before taking part. And a recent survey shows the majority believe those requirements should stay in some places.
4: Places where Uh, People are kind of in short, um, uh, for a short amount of time in close proximity, Um, you know, so being on an airplane, uh, being at a sporting event or, or some sort of cultural event or something like that, people are most likely to, you know, say, yeah, you definitely need to be vaccinated to go to something like that.
3: But when it comes to mandating vaccinations in workplaces, the probe research survey found many feel it's a step too far.
5: That's where it's been a little bit uh, a little bit more fraught and public
4: opinion isn't quite as uh, strong on it. So about four and you know, four and N say that you know their particular place of work, they would expect that a you know vaccination would absolutely be required.
3: Manitoba universities and even some large employers like True North Sports and Entertainment and the Royal Bank have mandated vaccinations for staff and workers. But the Canadian Federation of Independent Business says not everyone is on board. There's a lot of mixed sentiment out there. Certainly, you know, the vast majority of our members have been encouraging their staff to get vaccinated and fully vaccinated. But implementing policies in your business or for your customers is is a really, really difficult proposition. However, CFIB says more would be in favour if it was a provincial plan instead of one businesses have to figure out on their own and if it would prevent further lockdowns, which many say they wouldn't survive. Certainly... I think the appetite for a mandatory vaccination policy for different sectors increases not only as as the risk does, but certainly if they're staring down a fourth wave of restrictions. Which all are hoping to avoid. Brittany Greenslade, Global News. So question
2: of the day at CJOB.com since yesterday has been this. Would you like to see mandatory vaccines at your place of work? Four options here and Brett So far at CJOB.com, the most popular option, I would quit if they required it. 42.5% people saying that. 33.3% saying I would prefer it. Yes, and I won't stay there without it. Say 12.5%. And no, it doesn't matter to me, almost 12% of respondents.
1: So I would, uh, I think I, I guess... I guess I would lean towards I would prefer it. I'm a little surprised at the 42% on uh, I would quit if they if they required it. But we're now starting to see Greg uh, more and more uh vaccination policies uh making their way across the country such as in uh, british columbia which uh, made an announcement yesterday
2: that's right so they're saying by the middle of september september 13th there are places that you are going to have it have to have had at least one dose of the vaccine in order to attend that includes indoor ticketed sporting events indoor concerts indoor theater dance symphony events restaurants and Brett, that includes indoor and patio dining, nightclubs, casinos, movie theaters, fitness centers, business offering, indoor high-density group exercises and activities, organized indoor events, uh, example, weddings, parties, conferences, meetings, and workshops, and discretionary organized indoor group recreational classes and activities. And then by the middle of October, to do those same things, you're going to have to have your second shot of vaccination plus seven days since you had it in order to qualify uh, to get in and uh, participate in those things. So BC really stepping things up uh, a notch or two compared to some other jurisdictions across the country.
1: And when you look at another headline at globalnews.ca that reads we're in big trouble doctors worry Canada's fourth wave of COVID-19 could be the biggest yet. I'm not surprised to see more jurisdictions uh sort of dropping the hammer on the vaccination policies. The the restaurants and stuff like that, I find I was surprised to see that included, but I won't be surprised if that ends up being uh, mandated here in Manitoba, but of course you can let us know what you think at 204-787- 06868 and weigh in on the question of the day at cjob.com Mackling and McGarry, McNabb, back in a
2: couple of days. Greg, a video from 2018 has new life thanks to Twitter. Yeah, it's a performance from Dave Grohl's daughter, Violet, at a fundraiser that was held back in 2018. It was inspiring people yesterday. I guess folks looking for a timeline cleanser. Boy, does it ever deliver. Proud Papa Dave on the guitar, strumming out When We Were Young by Adele as his daughter dazzles the crowd.
3: Everybody.
2: So Violet sings backup vocals on the song Making a Fire on the Foo Fighters' Medicine at Midnight album. And in April, Papa Grohl and Violet released a single called Nausea. So special, Brett. So we're asking the question this morning, in your wildest dreams, what would you like to do with one of your parents or one of your kids? So let's go around the horn here. We got Cam Poitras. Let's start with
1: Mr. Poitras. And first of all, Cameron, welcome back and congratulations on... Now being a married man.
5: Yeah, well, thank you very much. It's a little, uh, it's taken some getting used to. It's a weird thing to say that I have a wife right now, but uh, it's pretty awesome. So
1: I understand you also got my wife from uh, Christian (laughs) O'Mell. I I did.
5: I actually made a promise because that's like uh, Christian O'Mell's catchphrase. And I I actually promised uh, my wife that I wouldn't actually say that during the toast. Um, and so I, uh, called in, I called in him and I, I just pointed at him and he, he, he delivered and they, we didn't even need to rehearse. He knew that he had to say that. So, <laughs> <That's> uh, <fantastic. laughs> um, uh, well, I, you know, my dad, he's got, he's got mobility issues right now. And, uh, I, I would just like to go somewhere like in, if I would, could do anything, I would just like to go somewhere with my dad, my two brothers, uh, their partners as well. Um, and of course my wife, wa- my wife, and, uh, we'll just go yeah. somewhere the, with, with all of us and you don't know if it's Disney World or if it's Vegas, it doesn't really matter. I just want to be able to go with all all of us and my dad and kind of have a a, a great trip. So yeah, that's if I had to pick anything, that's what I would do. That sounds cool, Jeff.
2: Yeah. Jeff Brown, what about you? Yeah, the, my parents are getting on in years as well, and a family cruise would be a nice thing to do one more time, I think, because both times we've done that with the family we've really enjoyed it but i mean i haven't seen them it'll be two years at christmas since i've seen them at all so just going home for christmas uh, this year or going to their home for christmas this year will be enough just to see them for the
1: first time since 2019 2019 wow it's a long time you already A lot of people having to wait a long time to see their families over the last couple of years. So
2: uh that'll be swell, Mr. Mackling, what about you? Well, I was struggling with this a little bit, even though i put it on the table. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have an automatic answer by any stretch of the imagination. So um my grandfather used to be a member of the Barbershop Quartet Association uh, here in manitoba and was an incredible singer and my dad always thought it would have been great if my brothers i have three uh, or two brothers there's three of us and my dad if we could have formed our own quartet and learned at least one song to perform for my grandpa so uh, if uh, the the time continuum or however you uh, phrase that if if anything was possible it would be to get my two brothers together and my dad learn a song and somehow perform it for my grandpa oh that's cool
3: okay mr forte what about you well, mine is so simple i'd like to take my parents to the vip theater i have not seen a movie with either one of my parents I, my dad i was a kid i don't remember what movie my mom would have been uh live free or die hard that was the last last movie i saw <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah my, my dad's never been to the vip theater he hasn't been a movie in forever And I think it'd be awesome to take them there Especially, you know, you can order a little food before the movie You get the big, nice chairs And just relax Just take it easy Just
1: take it easy Just
3: take it easy, man
1: What about the landmark cinemas? The the, the chairs of the Cineplex are good But those landmark recliners, dude I don't know
3: I, You know Last movie theater I went to was Famous Players at uh, KP, the you know the old dingy yeah. theaters. <laughs> so
5: you're I, very committed to Keldonan Place theaters. I saw all my big movies there too when I was growing up. All the big movies I saw. That's there.
3: my childhood right
1: there. Yeah. Hey, for part, for a time, yeah, that part. was the theater in in Winnipeg. Jeff Braun, would you uh, agree with that, or would would you even? Wait, wh- Kildonan Place. Which theater? Kildonan Place. I don't think
5: I've ever. I've never been to a Kildonan Place, so no.
1: Well, you. But you. <laughs> you live in, like you don't even cross Main Street, do you? Like, do you ever venture <laughs> east past Main Street? Uh, not if I don't
2: have to. I mean, there's <laughs> nothing over there that don't have anywhere else in the city. So I don't know. Coming from Altona, it was always, you know, St. Vitell was the first big theater in the city. That's the one we always went to. OK,
1: uh, for me, I would like to go, I'd like to go to a college football game with my dad, with Smash Gordon uh, and uh, like an American college football game mm. and probably somewhere in like Heartland america like i'm thinking the nebraska corn huskers jumps to mind for good the, for, choice i know that our buddy evan from lux barbecue is a big nebraska corn huskers fan he and his his pal jay like to get out there often and they say it's an amazing experience not just because of the football the stadium looks nice but that's that's a place where like that that is religion sure down there and when you see the size of the crowds for those football games the challenge of course would be to get my dad on a plane so, <laughs> you can always
2: drive. That's a, that's a doable uh, drive to no. to Lincoln, Nebraska. It's not, twelve hours.
1: Not doing it. No. No. Okay. So it would have to be a plane or bust. So, Smash Gordon, if you're <laughs> listening, we got to get on a plane and go see a college football game uh, at some point. So let us know what you would want to do with either one of your parents or your kids for a chance to win bomber tickets for this Sunday, Sunday Nighter versus Calgary.
2: 6 p.m. kickoff, I believe, GMAC. That's right. And 4 o'clock, our pregame coverage gets underway. And the Blue Bombers announced, I, I saw it for the first time yesterday, $12 tickets. It's family day. So $12 tickets for kids 12 and under.
1: we our phones are back up mr Forte is giving me the thumbs up so let's give her here because a video released by the liberal party in which conservative leader aaron o'toole is shown to express support for a private for-profit health care system in Canada has been flagged by Twitter as manipulated media. As Jeff Braun's been telling you in Global News, the video, which was released by Deputy Prime Minister Christian Freeland on Sunday, shows the Tory leader responding yes to a question on whether he would allow provinces to experiment with private, for-profit, and non-profit
2: options within universal health care. Yeah, now here's the rub. The Conservative leader's answer in the video was cut into several parts, but did not include when O'Toole later said that Canada needs to, quote, make sure universal access remains paramount, end quote, despite the introduction of a private public system. You can read more on this and see the video at globalnews.ca. Amy Morrison is an associate professor at the University of Waterloo, and some of her areas of expertise include new media studies and critical social media, Amy. Always a pleasure to have you on the start.
6: So glad to be here.
2: So politics aside, is it a good thing that Twitter is doing this?
6: It's it's pretty brave, actually. I I think they can try this in the Canadian context. I think if they had flagged a video like this in the United States, this would be front page news pretty much everywhere, and the and the mobs would be forming. Um, Certainly this video falls in the threshold of what Twitter identifies as uh, under its policy of manipulated or synthetic media, which is that it has been um, edited um, in a fairly substantial way uh, in that it, um, according to Twitter, uh, has to take in the the broader context of who is sharing it and how um, and why and is there an intent to deceive. Um, And their third criteria is um, the threats to public safety or serious harm that can arise from this Video being shared. Um, so certainly there have been more egregious examples. So one in the United States was a video on Twitter that circulated um, of Nancy Pelosi, where the video had been substantially slowed down to make it look as if she was ill or slurring her words. And so the intent there was to sort of um, had a sort of ageist and ableist intent there to show her as incompetent and possibly ill and certainly too old. Um, and this video has been um, cut up a little bit to remove some context from the answer. Um, the video the Conservatives shared uh, about six six days ago or so of of Justin Trudeau's face spliced onto uh, an actor uh, in the 1971 Willy Wonka movie was also um, straight up removed. But that was for a copyright infringement. So um, Twitter is certainly really sticking um, to election integrity here by. Um, by flagging this one as having been misleadingly edited.
1: What is our responsibility as consumers of media to pay closer attention so we don't get hoodwinked by stuff like this?
6: Well, I think in this video um, in particular, you can see where the edits are happening, right? So there'll be a kind of... (laughs) Uh, a flowing image of Aaron O'Toole speaking and giving his answer, and then you can see his head is in a slightly different spot. Now, that indicates a jump cut, right? So there will be some film that has been removed in between where his head is in one place and where his head is in a slightly different place. So we tend to, our eyes tend to gloss over those if they're smoothly done, but you can see where they happen. And when that you see that, you can tell right away that the video has been edited. And once you know that, you can search just the broader internet for Aaron O'Toole interview, um, July 2020, um, public-private healthcare. Now, if you Google that, you'll probably get to the original interview that you can watch in its lengthier glory, and that will give you the context. I certainly encourage anyone who's who's watching these like short snippets of context of. of context-removed videos that are, are happening in these like little bursts, especially if it's being shared by an opponent <laughs> instead of by a friend, um, I would be more likely to look up the context of that than the original video.
2: Amy, the Prime Minister yesterday said and encouraged Canadians to do exactly that, to look for the original video. Is one way to get around this or one way to protect those who may uh, fall uh, Pray to these uh, videos, is one way that, that we could get around this would be for, t- for Twitter to make sure that, yeah, if you post the clip, that's one thing, but you also have to include a link to the original video.
6: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, the reason that it's these short little clips that are included is that these are sort of tweet links, advertising pronouncements that are intended to sway voters. Um, this is a negative ad, right? This isn't an ad that says, um, here are some policy planks from the liberal platform. This is an ad that says you need to be scared of the conservatives because they hate public health care, right? So it's attempting to gin up those negative emotions that I think we've talked about before, right, that people really respond to fear. and, And this shift over the last 20 years or so in political advertising to attack ads and negative ads uh, is very much about removing the context. It's about using the shortest and scariest clip possible, right? It's not about, hey, everybody, go watch this longer 20-minute video about healthcare policy and funding in Canada, because people mostly are not going to do that, right? So these little videos are meant to give you a hit of terrified emotion right away um, to make you more likely to vote in a panic for somebody that is really a vote against something that you are afraid of. And both parties, three parties, four parties, five parties, (laughs) um, we see this across North America and across Europe is is that advertising campaigns are set up to make us afraid of or angry at those other candidates so that they will vote for our candidate.
1: Amy Morrison, Associate Professor at the University of Waterloo, joining us live. She is an expert in new media studies and critical social media. If you want to see the video, you can go to globalnews.ca, and we have linked it to our 680 CJOB Instagram story. Mackling and McGarry McNabb back in a couple of days as housing prices soar across the country. Winnipeg has not been immune from an affordability crunch, whether it be the average cost of a home, which now sits at just over 320 grand in our city, or the cost of renting a house or an apartment. Housing is taking up a larger percentage of our monthly income.
2: There is, of course, a growing number of people in Manitoba who lack access to housing altogether. As our population continues to grow, is home building keeping up to the demand? Tim Comack is Vice President of Ventura Developments and Ventura Land Development, joins us this morning on The Start. Good morning, Tim. Good morning, how are you? We're doing well. In your opinion here, why does the average price of a home continue to go up in our city? Is is there a simple answer to that? No,
0: there's no one simple answer and there's no one simple fix. Um, The affordability is controlled by supply and demand curves. And right now we're experiencing shortages of a number of different products and uh, manufacturing has been impacted deeply by COVID. So that's certainly lending to a moment in time spike in prices um, in everything from lumber, resins, metals, um, every corner you turn around, there's a price increase coming towards the industry. And so we're under siege in that way. Um, And so there's no one short easy fix or answer either.
1: How does the average home or condo price affect the rental market?
0: You know, that's a good question. Um, people aren't able to enter the market as easily. And so as prices have started to spike and escalate over the last few years, especially in the last two years, um, people have been put onto the sidelines and they remain renters. And so there's been a small increase in, I guess, the consumers that, that can't afford to buy a home that now ultimately end up entering into the rental market.
2: So, Tim, uh, when we met you several years ago, it was because you were battling the city to get an infill development approved by that body, and uh, you were successful in that endeavor. How, how large a role can infill play in alleviating this cost crunch?
0: That's a good question. Um, it's certainly because supply and demand is a big piece of the puzzle. Uh, it could open up more land supply and more housing supply for the consumers and for builders and developers to put onto the market. And doing so potentially alleviates some of those uh, those issues right now. Um, anywhere you go within the Winnipeg metro region, um, inside the city, outside the city, uh, there's very limited availability of supply to actually build and develop on. And so that could help up uh, open up some of that that opportunity.
1: By the way, that infill uh, that was was at McMillan and Harrow. Yes, sir. Okay. I, well, I lived right across the street from there at Cordon and Harrow. You guys did a really nice job on that. That uh, that fresh, There were concerns it was going to bulk up the neighborhood or whatever, but the, all that was there was this ugly, empty lot. So uh, I think that really uh, gave the neighborhood a boost. So good job. Um, Thank you. What other solutions are there?
0: Well, really, it's, uh, it comes down to government. Um, the federal government's responsible for housing affordability ultimately. And they have tools such as CMHC, Canada Mortgage Housing Corporation, that can create policy, that can assist in it. Um, They have a couple of good programs in place right now that could be leveraged. um, And then interest rates through the Bank of Canada. That's certainly something that impacts affordability. Builders and developers work on margin. And so ultimately the costs that are being thrown at us, we're ultimately in the end just putting a margin on it. And so we can't um, utilize many leverages and tools to bring that price down. Um, but municipal and provincial governments can help as well. Uh, Province Manitoba has done a good job. They introduced Bill 37, which I believe will help um, speed up the approval process on larger-scale development projects and and help get some flow of inventory moving. Uh, Between the province, the Fed, and the municipal government, they need to look at how they can also approve very large-scale infrastructure projects that will help bring on land supply. Examples are Chief Pegwisk uh, Trail Extensions, the water treatment plant uh, on the north side of the city, um, extending Bill, uh, bill Clement Way, Will Clement Way, things like that would help open up available land supply. With infrastructure projects that developers uh, and landowners don't have the ability to initiate themselves, and quite frankly, with the cost of them, hundreds of millions of dollars, and sometimes billions, it's not within their purview to be able to initiate those projects. So those types of things can really help open up land supply, and, and then designation of land. I mean, the city of Winnipeg and the province of Manitoba can look down at uh, the land inside the perimeter and, and look at ways that they can bring more residential land forward for development, and uh, in doing so, create a more competitive marketplace, and that might also as well help alleviate some of the pressures on, uh, on price escalation.
2: All right, Tim, we appreciate your insight into this. Tim Comack, Vice President of Venture Developments and Vice President of Venture Land Development. We appreciate your, your time as always.
0: Have a nice day.
1: Mackling and McGarry McNabb back in a couple of days. Getting into a proper sleep routine or pattern is difficult for so many of us. Imagine if your daily routine... Has not been regimented for weeks or months.
2: Yes, some, maybe even most school age kids, Brett, have been in a state of less than usual when it comes to their overall routines. I can say in my own household, bedtimes are theoretical at best most nights. Associate professor at the University of Manitoba, Diana McMillan, studies sleep and visits with us several times a year on the subject. We welcome her to the start. Good morning, Diana. Good morning. So bedtimes, a dreaded conversation for so many parents throughout the pandemic as we get closer to a return to school. How important is it that we get our kids on a decent routine now, if not yesterday?
7: Oh, it's really important. Uh, and and when we think about the opportunities for our kids to really learn and um uh grow emotionally and um, physically as well and, and learn those uh skills through through play or sport. Um, we really need to make sure that sleep is a part of the things that we prioritize in our health to optimize that. because if we don't, not only are we tired, but we're, we have some cognitive impairment. I mean, it, we're, we're not thinking very clearly, and it's much harder to learn. We're clumsier, We, are, we have a motor impairment. And so even uh, for uh, athletes or, or kids who are really wanting to uh, you know excel in sports, Um, they're not going to be as skilled or learn those skills, whether it's um, on the basketball court or even uh, sitting at the piano. Um, We see mood changes, uh, considerably more anxiety, poor coping, depression, um, and we're not as um, immunologically robust. So we don't fight off whatever flu or thing is coming our way as easily. So, um, really important for us to uh, make good, regular sleep uh, uh, an important part of everybody's day um, uh, for ourselves uh, as adults and parents, uh, and uh, certainly for our kids as well.
1: Well, and indeed, I'm already bad at golf, and I notice whenever I get a lousy sleep, I'm even worse at golf. So it is important. <laughs> it's uh, something we uh, we tend to overlook, but it's so. Important, and we've talked to you about this as well before. But sometimes we need reminders on this stuff. Is a good bedtime or pre-sleep routine important for anybody?
7: It really is, and so uh, there's some there's some strategies that. Um that really help us uh, with uh, getting better sleep. So daily exercise, if possible. Um, And uh, we try to maybe, if we're doing really vigorous activity, um, do it, you know, at least... three or four hours before bed. If not, still getting exercise uh, at any time of the day will really help you to uh, fall asleep and have a much um, better quality sleep. Um, If you nap, uh, I would limit those naps to 30 minutes and no naps uh, later than sort of one or two in the afternoon, certainly none after dinner, because your drive for sleep um, drops Uh, as uh, you've had a, if you've had recent sleep, um, avoiding those uh, stimulants. So for many adults and some uh, teenagers and kids, um, caffeine. So coffee, energy drinks, um, even uh, several kinds of uh, pops and sodas um, have uh, caffeine. And that is a stimulant that um, you know, has variable effect for some people less, and others a uh, significant stimulant that um, really makes it hard when they're lying in bed uh, for that uh, heart rate and, and <laughs> adrenaline just to go down. Um, uh, for adults, uh, and uh, I guess some, uh, University students that I work with watch the alcohol. Um, You know, it may make you sleepy, but actually it's a really major sleep disruptor uh, and uh, can uh, impair your REM sleep or rapid eye movement sleep and also makes you get up to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night, um, which can also be sleep disturbing as well. So you want a cool, quiet, dark, comfortable bedroom, clean sheets, um, and avoid doing your homework or taxes or using your little tablet or phone or video games. No TV in the bedroom. You really want that bedroom to be sort of an oasis for quiet and relaxation and sleep. And what we're seeing in uh, in our teens and younger children as well is that they are definitely not getting the recommended 8 to 10 hours of sleep during the week. Um, And we see 43% of 16 and 17-year-olds are sleep-deprived. So, you know, going to school sleep-deprived is really a strike against your ability to, you know, take in the information that's presented. And one in three teens have trouble falling asleep. One in three have struggled to stay asleep and stay awake during class. So it's, it's really important that we sort of make this a, a bigger priority. The other thing is trying to gear down, adopting a really nice relaxing bedtime routine, um, you know, for younger kids uh, um, sometimes having a bath or shower and that story time. And for older folks, uh, too, you know, having a, a nice, relaxing bath when your maybe hair doesn't stay wet <laughs> overnight. <laughs> um, but, you know, keeping to that regular bedtime and wake time, even on weekends, if you have a, a tendency to to struggle with, um, you know, falling asleep and, and staying asleep, that regular uh, wake time and, and regular bedtime really, really can help uh, as well. And um, for our kids, um, you know, those that are sort of between five and thirteen years of age, they should be getting nine to eleven hours of uninterrupted sleep and for our fourteen to seventeen year olds it should be you know eight to ten hours of uninterrupted sleep every night and what i'm seeing is, is that's not that's not what's happening and for adults you know um seven seven to nine hours on a, on a regular basis. And uh, it's, it's challenging. I mean, the the pandemic's thrown a few additional spanners into the works, Um, but, but we really need to um, put ourselves in a good position to try to, um, to get better sleep because our, our day will be, um better our household will be happier uh and um you know we'll will be more effective and uh um, less reactive on the playground as well. Um, not so many trips to the principal's
1: office. Well, you see, G-Mac, the Twin Towers, you're always lamenting the fact that the boys sleep in. So, like, Diana McMillan just says, the boys need it. So
2: you got to let them sleep. All right, I just don't like when they start the sleep because it means they end the sleep much later. They might get the prescribed amount. When they do it is is objectionable at this point.
1: Diana McMillan, no. thank you. We're unfortunately we're out of time. Oh, we sure. could we could go all day with you. We love having you on, but uh, the clock—it's uh, a race. We lose all the time, so we
7: gotta go. Oh, absolutely. All right, you two take care, and uh, I hope everybody is able to transition well this fall.
1: Mackling and McGarry McNabb is off today. Reminder that we have Blue Bomber tickets to give away for. Sunday, this Sunday, August 29th, IG Field, Bombers taking on the Calgary Stampeders, and we're asking you, in your wildest dreams, if you could do something special, something unique, something fun with maybe your mom, your dad, or with your kids. Inspired by this video that's resurfaced of Dave Grohl performing an Adele song on stage with his 12-year-old daughter at the time. that was from 2018. They've since performed a number of times on stage, but uh, that got us thinking about this. Rob Gauthier saying, I would love to play a game of two-on-two basketball with my <laughs> eldest son against Michael Jordan and Kevin Hart. <laughs> I have been a Jordan fan forever, and my son's name is Jordan Dennis Michael.
2: So, I had to know, why Kevin Hart? I get the Michael Jordan thing. Who doesn't want to do that? And Rob says, I love Kevin as well for his comedy. And he does a lot of trash talking on the court. Plus, it would help us with uh, his height disadvantage. (laughs) (laughs) So, really, really thinking it out there, Rob. I I dig when uh, people take their level of thinking to the next
1: level. So tell us a story for a chance to win the bomber tickets, we'll give them away just after 915. In the meantime we got to continue. The conversation that we started earlier this morning at six fifteen. Exciting news from the Manitoba Chambers of Commerce as they are announcing that the tourism rebate incentive program, A.K.A. the trip, is set to reopen August twenty sixth to September twelfth. We're joined by the president and CEO of the Manitoba Chambers of Commerce, Chuck Davidson. Mister Davidson, good morning to you, sir.
4: Good morning, Brad. Good morning, Greg.
1: So you you hinted at this the last time that we spoke, and you've pulled the trigger. Uh, this program, just looking at the numbers here, has been a pretty massive success, to say the least.
4: Yeah, we were pretty excited in terms of looking at those numbers in terms of we've had more than 11,200 people have taken advantage of that, and and it's really over the course of the last 10 days of the program. When when I was looking at numbers after week one, we only had about 800 people that had used the program because it was really new, and a lot of people thought it was too good to believe. Uh, But Manitobans really stepped up, and they've taken advantage of that and traveled around the province and filled hotel rooms Uh, over the course of the last two weeks, which has been awesome. So uh, we've got enough to potentially give uh, another 11,000 people an opportunity to take advantage of the trip program uh, when we reopen it this Thursday, and it'll go till uh, on September the 12th.
2: Well, I like the fact that it goes over the September-long weekend, the Labor Day weekend. It also includes Banjo Bowl, as you pointed out in your media and press release yesterday, Chuck, and so I'm thinking about maybe getting a room down the southern end of the city of Winnipeg for Banjo Bowl. I've got to work an, until halftime and then let my hair down a little bit and uh, do some fun stuff uh, on Pemina Highway and stay the night. I, I think this is a, a great t- tie-in for, for people to take advantage of this.
4: Well, that's exactly what we were looking for. We wanted people to take advantage of these last week of, of, of summer for the most part, and then obviously the September long weekend. We were looking in terms of how long do we think we can go till. And when I saw that the Banjo Bowl was going to be here, obviously we want to fill the stadium for the Bombers, and if people want to come in from out of town, you know, Manitobans, and, and do exactly that, stay at a hotel and take advantage of that, we thought that would be a perfect tie-in and hopefully a great end to this program as well. So again, though, the challenge that we're going to have, if we have the uptake that we've had uh, over the course of this past week, We need to make sure that we've got enough rooms and enough dollars left in the program to be able to get the Banjo Bowl because people have been really uh, excited about this program, taking advantage of it, uh, and we couldn't be more thrilled with the, the response that we've got from Manitobans.
1: And a reminder, Chuck, where is the money coming from?
4: So the money's coming from, this is something that we put together with Travel Manitoba and the province of Manitoba. So we've got about enough for another probably 11,500 to 12,000 hotel rooms or for another 12,000 Manitobans to take advantage of this program. So, uh, you know, big thanks to the Travel Manitoba and the province of Manitoba for helping us uh, on this program and, and supporting this initiative that we put together.
2: So when I applied for this on behalf of my wife, we had, we discussed this last time. There were a couple of different options. You could uh, have it credited to a PayPal account if you had one or that online MasterCard. And you said you were having a little bit of, of issue with regard to the MasterCard. Everything worked out on the technical side,
7: Chuck?
4: Yeah, everything worked out well. I mean, we've had obviously some people have some challenges with technology in terms of the process that we kind of go through, but that's been really minimal based on the number of people that have been able to use the program. A lot of people that have used the program as well have told us just how smoothly it actually went. They put in their uh, invoices and were receipted their dollars uh, sometimes within twelve hour time frame, wow. so we try to get it done within forty eight hours. but uh, the turnaround with the partner that we have at SNP, who are the partner that we have on this program uh, has been tremendous in terms of uh, you know responding to some of the concerns that people have, making sure that uh, we 're responding and trying to get those dollars back into their pockets as, as quickly as possible so and The great thing about the program too, and the one thing that you know while we were able to rebate almost over a million dollars, what we know is invoices for those hotels and for those accommodations was almost two and a half million dollars. So as when I when I look at that and I think about, you know, if if someone went to Hecla and they may have Take advantage of the trip program, they spent additional dollars. We think there's probably a 5-to-1 or almost a 6-to-1 um, you know, difference in terms of the amount of dollars that was spent as a result of this and the rebates that have gone out, which is tremendous for the Manitoba economy and specifically for the hotel and the hospitality industry.
2: Well, and we, oh, go ahead, Brett.
1: I was just going to say uh, you mentioned Hekla. I That's where I was and happened to take advantage of it. I wanted to say thanks to Lakeview Hecla Resort as well because they were super accommodating with us uh, because we checked ahead of time and then we checked when we got there. Like, Are you Going to be able to split the receipts so that we can claim these individually. And they were uh, super helpful with that and went uh, the extra mile for that. But, uh, Chuck, seeing as I have already taken advantage of this, if I go do something else, like say, go back to Nipowa next weekend, can I do this again?
4: Well, unfortunately, we're trying to keep this so that one person can only do it. So, But if you have somebody else in your group that hasn't taken advantage of the program, we would encourage them to do so. So, you know, that's the way that we're trying to do this, to have as many people have the opportunity to to see this, uh, to get this benefit, uh, you know, as much as possible. The one advan- the one thing that I would tell people as well, book early. Like, we keep hearing that a lot of the facilities are, are booked solid. Like, places like Hecla, Hecla was our number one draw in regard to this program, followed by Riding Mountain. So, uh, you know... People wanted to take advantage of this program. There's no question about this, but book early to make sure that you can get a room because hotels are filling up quickly.
2: Chuck, uh, before we let you go here, we've been really talking almost exclusively in the last few minutes about hotel rooms, how this program applies, but it's not just hotel rooms. It's also uh, star attractions in the province.
4: Yeah, no question about that. So if you wanted to go to somewhere like the Manitoba Museum or the Art Gallery, uh, any of those kind of places, you know, the number one uh, for attraction was the zoo uh we had more than uh, i think it was close to 1200 uh, uh receipts and invoices came in from the zoo and people took advantage of that so again a simple program if you go to any one of the star attractions the list is on our website at tripmb.ca you get a 50 percent rebate off your cost of your admission so again if you if you don't want to go to a hotel stay and you just want to take the family for an outing uh you can take advantage of the program as well so
1: Chuck Chuck Davidson, President, CEO, Manitoba Chambers of Commerce. Thanks for the time and access as always, sir. Much appreciated. Thanks, guys. And we, you know, we've talked about this a couple of times in recent weeks, but we had to make sure to mention this again. Maybe you've been on a summer vacation for a couple of weeks and have been completely unplugged and were unaware that this was a problem, but or problem, a program between July 31st and August 16th. Well, now you've got another shot, August 26th to September 12th, the website tripmb.ca. And it really is... As simple as it sounds, you go to that website, you take a picture of your receipt, you type in your name, you type in your email address, you upload the pic, and that's it. You don't have to fill out a form, you don't have to donate blood, nothing. It's just just, snap, two days later you get your rebate.
2: It was less than three minutes to upload everything and to fill in the information that they ask for. It's very uh, unintrusive, very uh, smooth operation without question. And I want to thank Chuck for bringing to... um join us i texted him just after six o'clock figuring he'd be in the gym he said yeah you caught me just between <laughs> my sets of squats and preacher curls wow so chuck uh, way to keep up the uh, routine partner
1: that's dedication at 6 a.m and yeah, good for you for knowing that that's where chuck would be at 6 a.m um and if if you do go with the prepaid credit card yes uh, option and you're wondering like well how am i gonna how am i gonna spend this like oh yes just get a gift card just get yourself a gift card. Uh, I, Purchase I, I, it
2: online, right? Because it's a virtual. Uh,
1: it says it needs to be done online, but I was able to do mine in person. Uh, I bought a gift card at the King's Head. He just punched the number in beautiful. to the terminal, and it worked. So, uh, but you can also do it. And they are recommending that you do it online. But yeah, piece of cake. No Love problem. It. Mackling and McGarry, McNabb back in a couple of days. One of the things we've been talking about this morning and we'll be talking about through the day on 680 CJOB and Global News across Canada is housing... And affordability. We spoke to Tim Comack from uh, Ventura Developments just at around seven fifty, as it pertains to housing costs. And Greg uh, Joanne, I believe it was, sent us a
2: uh, note about her daughter. Yes, and this has been super common uh, over the course of the pandemic, and it had started before that. Uh, one of our uh, common friends, Brett, uh, ran into it last year and uh, the year before as they were trying to acquire a home, and that's. These bidding wars and houses going for several, sometimes tens of thousands of dollars over asking price. And Joanne says this, my daughter is one of many who are not able to buy a home right now. Her and her a boyfriend have tried all year to no avail. The houses they bid on went from 70 to $1. $110,000 oh over goodness. asking price. They are so disappointed, but have given up to get out of their apartment to a house with a yard for their pooch. Then I have to be grudgingly uh, listening to all the people I know who have sold their rental homes and laughed all the way to the bank. Yeah, I'm so happy for you. Groan. That's from uh, Joanne.
1: $110,000. My goodness. So even if I wanted to get back into the housing market, even if I had the down payment to do it, whether it be the 5% and just suck it up and pay the insurance fees, uh, the mortgage, uh, default insurance fees, or, or, or uh, just get the 20% to forego those fees, I would need to plan to not only have that, but then be prepared to swallow a massive cost. And somebody pointed this out to me as well, because I said, you know, I don't want to own a house again. I was a terrible house owner. (laughs) So I'm quite fine living in a high rise. There are a lot of condo buildings in my neck of the woods. Mm -hmm. So that, and the mortgage probably affordable, but it was pointed out to me that the condo fees on top of that, It would be like paying
2: a mortgage and a monthly rent for some of these fees. Yep, they can start as low as a couple hundred dollars, but uh, the lower the condo fee, the more curious you need to be about the health and state of the building that you're buying into, because remember, you become then a member of that corporation, the condo corporation. You're You're buying not only your individual unit, but you're buying a proportion or a proportionate part of the building itself. So if the roof needs to be replaced, you're on the hook for that. If there's a large project on the horizon, you're going to be involved in that and you may not have a say in it. If you're on the condo board, you might be able to vote for it, but if it's approved, then everybody has no choice but to go along with it. And sometimes there are surprise expenses as well. So, yeah, there are a lot of considerations, no question, Brett, when it comes to buying a single-family home or or buying a condominium, you really have to know the ins and outs of what's going on because inevitably there's going to be more money involved either monthly or up front or both in any circumstance.
1: It's got to be tough for young people too, trying to break into the market for the, the very first time. Let's say you're a young couple uh, and you're just looking for that starter home, even by the sounds, with the average the average price in Winnipeg at 320000 plus, what do you figure
2: a low-end would cost I don't. One well, hundred 150 grand to live in a, a neighborhood you maybe didn't dream of living in a home that you wouldn't consider your dream home and that's you know there's a conversation there i know we've got to get out here but uh, for the top of the hour but there's a conversation there as well with regard to expectation about what a first home should look like yeah i, I mean i think that's something we could talk about over the next several days as well
1: Mackling and McGarry. McNabb is back in a couple of days. We got Blue Bomber tickets to give away. We're giving them away in our next segment, taking on the Calgary Stampeders this Sunday, August 29th, 6 p.m. at IG Field, based on your stories of what would you do if you could do something super cool, super special, super unique, something in, in your wildest dreams with your mom, your dad, maybe your kids. What would it be? Tell us a story for a chance to win. We're doing that in our next segment. But right now... We want to tell you about an event which has been a staple on university campuses for decades.
2: You remember this, don't you, Brett? Shinorama? Yep. It has become an institution on many campuses nationwide, playing a big part in the student experience. Student volunteers remain as dedicated as ever and are doing whatever it takes to raise crucial funds to fight cystic fibrosis. To date, Shinarama has raised approximately $29 million for Cystic Fibrosis Canada. Shinarama began in 1964 as a simple shoe-shining fundraiser to encourage first-year students to meet new people and give back to their local community during orientation week. It has since grown to include a wide variety of community and campus-based events under the Shinarama banner. There's nothing like a good shine, Brett, I have to tell you. I usually get at the airport when I'm traveling, although I think the types of shoes we wear to school or wore to school back in 1964, vastly different than the ones being worn in 2021. Aly- Alyssa Howard is uh, Director of Public Relations for the Commerce Students Association. Good morning, Alyssa. How are you? Doing really well, and may I say, uh, I am uh, waiting with bated breath for the return of the Commerce uh, Students Association socials. If, if those ever come back, please let me know. Oh, you and me both. You and me both. <laughs> Legendary uh, Shinarama, far more than a shoe shine event. Fifty-seven years later, tell us about Shinarama and what it looks like these days, if you would.
8: For sure, yeah. Thanks for having me. So I've recently gotten involved in Shine Around, but it looks different now than it did even a couple of years ago just because of COVID. You know, in the past few years, it's been a really big Shine internal and external day. So the internal days at campus and, you know, we bring in alpacas and llamas and we have ice cream and we just kind of try and get all the students engaged in that first couple of weeks of school uh, to give back to the community, like you said, and also get to know their own classmates. And then our Shine Day external, we, part with, we partner with some of our corporate partners and we set up shop kind of outside of their buildings and we um you know raise funds from people in the community on that day we send our volunteers and buses to different locations all over the city to help raise money for cf canada
1: sorry you just kind of snuck dropped that in casually in there you mentioned ice cream and a couple of other things alpacas (laughs) and llamas
8: Yeah, it's so. Funny. I actually never attended because I um, school went online for me, so I never got to see them. I don't remember if they're alpacas or llamas, but they bring them in, and it's a very much a, an attention grabber for sure.
1: That's cool. So uh, there is an educational component to this series of events, right? Like it's not just about raising funds. Uh, so what can you tell us about cystic fibrosis?
8: Absolutely. So um, I can't speak to why this fundraiser started in 1964, but cystic fibrosis is the most common fatal genetic disease affecting um, Canadian children and young adults. So it's definitely something that's a little bit, you know, scary to think about. So I think that's why it's so pertinent um, uh, to a lot of people. Um, Canadians and a lot of students and whatnot, um, but just kind of about what it actually is. It is a genetic disorder um, and sort of compromises the functionality of your respiratory and your digestive systems. And it kind of affects the cells that make things like mucus and sweat and digestive fluids. Um, Those fluids should act as lubricants, but when you have CF, they're kind of, they're really thick. So it kind of plugs up different tracts and different organs like the lungs and the pancreas. And it uh, really compromises the functionality of those uh, systems for sure.
2: Well, it's uh, something that uh, one of my very best friends, his granddaughter, deals with. And so the fact that you're bringing awareness, A, to cystic fibrosis and raising this tremendous amount of money for research has had a real impact, right? Like uh, over the last 50 years, the life expectancy for those living with cystic fibrosis has increased quite substantially.
8: Absolutely. Yeah. Like since, so like we said, it started in 64. In 84, they were able to map out the cystic fibrosis protein. And since then, there have been a ton of developments. And actually, like in 2019, um, the first ever medication um, was approved for 12 plus in Canada that can effectively target the protein that's super compromised in about 90% of patients with CF. So that's called Trikafta, and that's a very, very, very recent development, and it is a life-saving, life-saving medication. So just knowing that our funds are going towards something that important uh, is really motivating and really inspiring, and it makes us really happy to be doing what we're doing.
1: Is there a minimum donation that you're asking for?
8: Absolutely not. It's whatever, um, whatever you're able to contribute. There are, I want to say it's something like $20 if you want to be eligible for a tax receipt. Um, but we have different events that have different, um, you know, some of them are $5, some of them are $10. But also on our website, Shinetoba.ca, you can just donate whatever um, you are willing and able to do.
2: So it's Shinerama. I always thought it was Shinorama, or at least that's the way I remembered it. But it's Shinerama, S-H-I-N-E-R-A-M-A. And the website?
8: The website is Shinetoba. So that's kind of the the University of Manitoba chapter of Shinerama. It's Shinetoba, S-H-I-N-E-R-A-M-A. N-E-T-O-B-A
2: All right. Well, you're making me excited for the beginning of school. Now, clearly, things are a little bit different on campus and have been for the last couple, if not eight or so semesters. So how has the, the lack of students on campus affected fundraising efforts and how are you combating that before we let you go, Alyssa?
8: Yeah, for sure. It's been really different, but um, a lot of people really, really um, love Shinerama and they've been kind of following our Instagram and trying to find ways to stay engaged and last year was the first year that they really couldn't do the regular events. And people like myself, who were involved in the committee for the first time ever, you know, were coming in with a lot of fresh ideas because we'd never been part of it in quote-unquote normal times. So we started having online paint nights and trivia nights and baking nights and outdoor workout classes and all these different things to sort of fill that void of not being able to have those shine internal and external days.
1: All right. Well, Alyssa, thank you very much for joining us today to tell us about this. We very much appreciate this.
8: Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me.
1: And before I I got to I got to stick the landing on this. Just how do we can, how do we say your last name, Alyssa? Hood. H-O-U-D-E.
8: Hood. <laughs> OK,
1: OK. I wasn't sure I wanted to because people get my name wrong all the time. And I wanted to make sure I didn't get yours wrong. So Alyssa oh, Hood, Director that. of Pu- Public Relations for the Commerce Students Association. Thanks for the time.
8: Thank you very much. Have a great
1: day. And Greg, thanks for uh, bringing back memories of the Commerce Socials. I have been to some <laughs> monster socials. Do you remember uh, the name Chris Shepard? Of course. Chris Shepard's pirate radio sessions oh, in the 1990s? Sure. Yeah, he was the, like the, the main event at their Christmas social, I want to say, in 1998?
2: I was probably there, but I don't remember being there.
1: Or was it New Year's? I probably. I, well, I think the the fact that I can't remember if it was a Christmas social or a New Year's social speaks to how little I remember of that night as well, which means it was a good party. Mackling and McGarry McNabb, back in a couple of days. We want to give away some bomber tickets Sunday. This Sunday, August 29th, IG Field, Calgary Stampeders, 6 p.m. kickoff, 4 p.m. pregame on 680 CJOB. And we're hearing the music right now of the Foo Fighters, Dave Grohl, a video of Dave Grohl and his 12-year-old daughter, Violet, From 2018, they were performing on stage, performing an acoustic version of an Adele song. And uh, that video popped back up yesterday when Rex Chapman, who often tweets a lot of happy things. Who's Rex Rex Chapman, by the way, for those that don't know? Former
2: University of Kentucky basketball star, went on to play in the NBA as well. He's quite famous, actually, for battling uh, addictions, an opioid addiction, and uh, was arrested for uh, robbing uh, Best Buy. (laughs) <laughs> Back in the day. Okay. So, yeah. So, he's got a colored and checkered past, so to speak, but uh, he's turned his life around and has become one of the real inspirational people on Twitter. So, we wanted to ask you, what
1: would you do if you could do something cool like that with either your mom, your dad, or your kids? What did Craig have to say?
2: Craig had to say this. What I would choose is... Uh, to do with my children if I could do anything. I wouldn't it wouldn't be anything as glamorous of what you've read over the air so far. Rather I would take the opportunity to teach them how to be of service to others to help make the world a better place, even if it was something small, such as helping in a soup kitchen, helping Habitat for Humanity, helping a nonprofit animal shelter. Anything to teach them that living is not only what you do for yourself, but what you can do for others to help make the world a better place. Thank you very much for that, Craig.
1: That's very thoughtful stuff, Craig. And we got lots of baseball here. Like Scott saying, my dad loves Major League Baseball so much, I would go with him to every stadium in the league. And Jared says, in my wildest dreams, I would love to take my son to see a ball game in every MLB field in North America.
2: It seems like a pretty common dream for
1: certain people. So uh, I dig those, of course. Different Scott says, I would just like to take my son to his first bomber game and enjoy the day with him, sit back and show him how much fun it is to get out again and enjoy his company. All right, Scott. But, uh, you know, we only got about 40 seconds here. Let's go with the winner.
2: All right, let's go with Wesley's winner. Lots of other great text messages, of course. Good morning. This is Wesley. In regards to your question of the day, being of Icelandic heritage, I would love a chance to take my father and my son to Iceland For an extended trip just to see everything while everybody's still here. I love that thought.
1: That's a great thought, Wesley. And uh, I would love to go to Iceland as well. So we decided to crown you today's champion. You win the bomber tickets. We will be in touch. And we've got more tickets to give away through the week. And the news this afternoon has two tickets to give away as well. Hey, thanks for listening to The Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think, and hey, even tell a friend about the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Greg is at gmacwpg, that's G-M-A-C-K, W-P-G. I am at brett mcgarry b-r-e-t-t-m-e-g-a-r-r-y and loren on twitter is at mcnab on global and on instagram at mcnab on c-j-o-b talk soon